one day I was at 12 and I was sitting in the living room. We had a small home. There were only three networks, ABC, NBC, and CBS, no cartoon network at the time and, uh, or whatever. And, um, I remember I was sitting Felicia doing my homework and, um, I was, you know, the TV was on and all of a sudden this woman came on. Her name was Jessica Savage. Most people don't know her, but she was a precursor to Barbara Walters and Diane Sawyer and Connie Chung and all of those. Anyway, um, and the current Nora O'Donnell. And um, she came on and she started telling the news. And I looked up and I looked at her and I felt like I could relate to her. She happened to have blonde hair. She was fair skinned and light eyes. And I was like, oh, that looks like me. And so I said, um, mom, I want to do that when I grow up. And my mom was in the kitchen. There was kind of an archway into the kitchen. And my mom looked at the TV and then she looked back at me and she said, well, then you will. Welcome to the Camp VP Uncensored podcast. What can I say about Kim Douglas other than delicious? I'm so very excited for you all to hear our conversation. Kim was the lifestyle and beauty expert on the Ellen DeGeneres show and has been on so many other projects going forth throughout her career. And I've had the pleasure to know her since the early 2000s. And the power of the word is something that I cannot wait for you to hear all about. So grab that cannoli and grab that coffee because here we go. Thank you so much. Kim I mean it's it's been years Kim Douglas you are um fairy dust in 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 anybody's life love that it's true you sprinkle a lot of love and happiness wherever you go and I have lots of questions I'm going to share with you just kind of an overview so you know the kinds of things I want to talk about little Kim Michigan being a good Midwest girl career, family, community, causes, and going forward. So I feel like it's like career and family is kind of like the chicken and the egg, right? Uh, Yes, for sure. And the realization of your dreams as a little girl, you know, in Michigan. So I think that that would be suitable, like to start there. You good? Yes, sure. Um, so I'll just tell you my story, right? And maybe it will encourage uh, someone somewhere, a mother or a young girl or a grandmother, whatever. Um, so uh, Michigan uh, grew up in an outskirt of Detroit. It's a town called Birmingham. And um, mom and dad came from Scotland. Uh, my mom was a Miss Scotland. So that was really, you know, pretty interesting to be raised by a beauty pageant mom. Um, I wonder how I got into beauty on TV. I am, there's no connection there. Um, anyway, and my dad was a carpenter and my mom ended up being a homemaker. And uh, they came from a little town in Scotland between Edinburgh and Glasgow, came out to Detroit, um, which was the land of opportunity with all the car industry. My dad was a carpenter, as I said, Uh, only child, grew up in a very, very conservative uh, religious Christian home. And uh, one day I was at 12 and I was sitting in the living room 
We had a small home. There were only three networks, ABC, NBC, and CBS, no cartoon network at the time and uh, or whatever. And um, I remember I was sitting Felicia doing my homework and um, I was, you know, the TV was on and all of a sudden this woman came on. Her name was Jessica Savage. Most people don't know her, but she was a precursor to Barbara Walters and Diane Sawyer and Connie Chung and all of those. Anyway, um, and the current Nora O'Donnell. And um, she came on and she started telling the news and I looked up and I looked at her and I felt like I could relate to her. She happened to have blonde hair. She was fair skinned and light eyes. And I was like, oh, that looks like me. And so I said, um, mom, I want to do that when I grow up. And my mom was in the kitchen. There was kind of an archway into the kitchen. And my mom looked at the TV and then she looked back at me and she said, well, then you will. And then she went right back to making the rest of the stew for my dad. So Felicia, the story goes, you know, uh, what she should have said is, Kim, your odds of being an anchor woman on TV in New York or, or LA are slim to none. Your dad's a carpenter. I'm a homemaker. We have no connections. We live in Detroit. So get over yourself. You're probably going to work on the assembly line in Detroit and calm down sit down. So, um, you know what? She didn't. So I never thought I couldn't. So that story right there, how does that relate? What's that takeaway for your audience, Felicia, that words have power mm-hmm. and that we encourage each other, your neighbor, your friend, your sister, whatever. And you say, yeah, Felicia, you can do a podcast. Yeah. You can get people on, you can talk to them for two hours and bring out their story that words you know, they, they talk about how you have to spell. It's a spell that you're casting over someone. And my mother cast a spiritual spell over me to say, well, then you will. And I think, yeah, no, she really talking about like the pre that that's who you got your fairy dust from. Yeah. You're probably right. And I felt that literally when you said, you know, through the archway and stepped in and looked at the screen and said, and then you will, like she willed it. She did will it. And I felt that like energetic, like, woo, over here. Super, super cool. And, and to that point, like, I love that story. Like you and I have not had an opportunity to sit in front of each other for many years. And when we did, it was very quick and very powerful and very frenetic and all the things. But I always knew in my heart, this is a woman, no different than how you looked at Jessica or how we've looked at Barbara and all all these women who have inspired us in our generation, women like you and myself who are very like-minded. A hundred percent. It's just one of those things that hearing that story just totally resonates. And I do think it's really important for people to understand the power of words, to understand that we do have the power to really powerfully inspire others by just being kind and, and supportive and loving versus the polar opposite which will like you said your mother could have said you know Kim what looks like, more realistic re- yeah I was gonna say yeah. like let's go, come down to earth yeah and you know Felicia especially especially right now where we are today 
the power of people. You put something on the internet, you put something on Instagram and people are like, you're a jerk, you're an idiot. You're And the power of those words, those negative words are so strong with each other. And if we could just realize, you know, that those words really do hit the heart. And I'm sure you've seen it. There's some uh, commercial on different news media outlets and it's a man and he's with his son and he turns to this, he's in a car and he happens to be in front of a building. You don't know what building it is. And he turns to his son and he says, I saw what you've been writing on Facebook and Instagram and your chats. I saw it. And you know what? I want you to open this door right now and I want you to go out and I want you to tell it to their face. And it's a young boy who is saying anti-Semitic things and they're in front of a Jewish school and synagogue. And he says to the son, go out, you're behind that computer, go say it to their face. And the boy can't. And they turn the car around and he says, now stop it. And I got goosebumps too, Felicia, because we have to realize how strong, just because we're behind this, doesn't mean we can say whatever comes to our moment of anger or upset. A hundred percent. No, it's absolutely true. You know, I, you don't, you wouldn't know this about me, but I've studied the power of the mind and science of the mind. And I'm a mindfulness teacher and healer. So words are really like, something on a whole nother level. I mean, this is why we can take it into Forbes 500 companies. This is where I can go to, I mean, I'd love to gather studio heads right now, frankly, like I really want to do like big powerful things. And to your point, we really have to find the courage and, and the confidence within to do the good things versus the not good things. Yeah. And, you know, not to get off subject, but I think it's very on subject. It's like we as entities spirits energy whatever whomever we come through and become through in your case your parents my parents you know we don't know what we're going to be blessed with we don't know what opportunities are going to present we don't know how our yeses versus our no's are going to turn into doors opening and opening and opening and we have the power with these little spirits that you know like you had with hunter you and jerry had with hunter to raise and provide, but it's also environmental. Like, so is it DNA, is it environment? Is it a combination? Well, we both know it's a combination of what, we're all sponges, we're all just energetic sponges. So when you hear, when you think it's okay to do these kinds of things, it's, it's, it's really like, I, I had put out something actually, I had been up when, in this case, as we're talking about, the Israeli war was an I was up at 1.30 Saturday morning because my because my husband was out working. And for some reason, I never stayed up that late. And yeah. when I heard the news, I was like, are, are you kidding me right now? Like yeah. my childhood just flooded over me. And what my peers didn't know growing up as a, as a little Midwest girl yeah. was I too had all that Jessica Savage, Barbara Walters, you know, oh my God, loved, loved, you know, like yeah. I was performing comedy, like using Baba Wawa and all that and Gilda Wagner and all that, yes. you know, like, that was my, because I knew, I knew I wasn't the gorgeous blonde who was going to sit behind the desk. I had to show up as the character. 
Well, so, you, I, she was genius and no one could touch her. And you are the same. Oh, Every I love you. Home. I oh. love you so much. But I do, I do. It goes back to power of words, you know, to circle back. Um, power of words, power of impact, power of, yeah, we have a really powerful, powerful technology now. But our, our technology with three stations was powerful, too. You're right. You're right. Because that's all we had to choose from. Yeah. And if you were paying attention, we're obviously you and I were very like leaning in and curious. And that's why we are who we are. It's one of those things that not all my peers, Kim, when we were little girls, were going, what's the Six Day War? What's Yom Kippur War? Or what's the Holocaust? Like these conversations weren't happening in my circles. Yeah. But in my world, yeah. not my parents so much talking about it, but going to Sunday school. Right, right. I was like, never forget, never forget, never forget. And I'd be like, I mean, I was like somewhere between seven and 13, inundated with never forget, never forget. And you and right. I were also growing up during a very civil rights period yes, yes. with the Kennedys. Right. And Martin Luther King and Vietnam War and all those things to say that here's your little girl self sitting from the camera, sees this Jessica Savage. Yep. Because I want to be her. I'm going to be that. And your mom went, and you will. Yeah. Yeah. So you're 12 years old. You continue to have this positive, willful <laughs> environment that supports your, like, from that moment, what did you do that you so- think that? landed help land this who you yeah so um you know i i see and i read like you i'm very involved and as you said so eloquently earlier you and i lean in to what's going on in the world i don't think we you know pull back from it so just you know having a 25 year old son who's in new york right now and an only child and all of his friends and everybody um I see now with some younger kids than Hunter, you know, they seem, Felicia, this generation, I'm not going to generalize because everybody's different, but it seems that a large group um, just seem to have lost their way. And I think what happened with me is that at 12, I got a purpose. Mm-hmm. I got a direct focus where am I going? What am I achieving? What am I getting to? What's my goal? What's my purpose? Is my family and friends helping me to get there, lifting me up? Um, And I feel like that's so important that we encourage, especially our young women, but our young men too. You know, um, Hunter, my son was very, um, oh, well, here, I mean, this was him when he was, you know, too, but anyway, he's a lot older now, but that's delicious. Um, just, yeah, just delicious. Yeah, he's a, he's a good boy. Anyway, he had a father that was 25 years older than his mother. So mm-hmm. he had an older father that also was able to do that. So what do you want to be? Okay. So, you know, a lot of people said to him, you know, oh, you're, you're handsome. You're cute. You're going to TV. Your mom and dad are in TV. Go be an actor. And Jerry was like, 
over my dead body. You're going to get, this was a joke, but he was like, you'll get your medical degree, you'll get your law degree. And then if you want to be an actor. So by then Felicia would be 45. So, you know, you and know what's wrong with that? What, well, you know, in our that? business, it probably would be slim to <laughs> he'd be, nuts. He'd be a fine wine. He'd be stepping right know. into his purpose. Yeah. With men, it's okay at 45. With us, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> but anyway, you know, the, the point I was trying to make is that Jerry kind of said to him, what do you want to do? What do you like numbers? You like finance, you're interested in. So get, you know, get a focus, get it an idea. Not that everybody has to know I'm going to be Jessica Savage at 12. But you know, if you can narrow in, I think you have a pathway in front of you that gives you more strength so that when you know, the drugs and the bad influences and the negativity come in. Yes, you're going to get hit with them. But you know what, Felicia, I've got my path. I know I'm going forward. I see Jessica Savage out there and I'm going to get there and nothing is going to stop me. And, you know, okay, that sounds all, you know, fairy dust, as you say, but it does give you that strength sometimes to say no to the negativity that can bring you down. Well, you know what it is? It's your why. Yes, 100%. And and as they say, and it's really interesting, Kim, because I just love this. Because this is this is my talk. This is my walk. And I'm always like, you know, like even writing notes going, get more, get more organized. And, you know, the Virgos got like notes everywhere, you know, Amazing. and all the things in order. But with that order comes a lot of like other order, right? Nice. And it's about keeping your focus on that prize. And, you know, it's interesting because I've always unconsciously surrounded myself with people like that since I was a little girl. So you clearly had that into, you yeah. know, we came from work ethic people. True. True. And I've always said this, especially moving out to LA, I found, and I don't know if you found this. But I found that those who I met out here who are from the Midwest, yeah. who may not have come from the same cultural background, religious background, educational background, but we spoke the same language. Language. I agree. I agree. And it's refreshing and it's heartwarming. And I found it looks like we look at each other and we go, I get you, you get me. We get we know we're gonna show up, we know we're gonna be responsible, we know we're gonna deliver. We know we're here to see it through and be successful. And it doesn't, you know, it's not a competition. Oh, no. It's all about a community, like you said. And, you know, that was that was an area growing up in the Midwest that was a beautiful blend of lots of different cultures that came across the sea and the land or the whatever. Mm. And, you know, really wanted for yes. success for their generations going forward to create legacy. Yes. And I think foundationally that, no matter declaration of a Jessica Savage or whatever, you know, cause you know, I, I mean myself, I knew it was entertainment along with arts and science. So right. it was like how, you know, so I wish I had just been like Barbara Walters, that is it and boom, boom, yeah. boom. There were just too many tentacles out there to like try to, and then, yeah. you know, a few other life experiences that determine your road. Right. And then you have to keep getting back on the bike and go, oh. wait, no, the road's over here. And right. so to your point, no matter what in life 
having your why, having your focus, having your purpose, having your goals in mind, not knowing who you're surrounding yourself with, super, super important beyond. And you know what's so crazy, Kim, is that I have to be honest, even though the, all those things were around me as a child, Consciously or unconsciously, I think I lost a little bit of that when my uh, my family went through some really hard times. Sure, sure. And you realize that there's some sort of like kind of even though the lessons are so around you, I still had solid people around me, solid family, sure. all that. But there was a lot of trauma. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting when trauma, whether it's death or finances, or divorce, or in our case, all three in five months. <laughs> wow. Wow. And how old were you? How I literally old? turned 15 the week before. Jeez. I was the president of my class, the first cellist, award a national award-winning artist. Like, like, it was a big deal what I was already doing. And, yeah. you know, just anything I put my hand to. On your path. And I was like, well, what's the point? But I didn't know I made that decision. Wow. I did not know I made that decision. And it wasn't a decision that I was like really spreading out that I was aware of. Because I was still striving for pre-med and still striving for fine arts and still striving for entertainment. But I was, you know, you talk about loss. That's yeah. how I got like lost on my purpose and my focus. Even though it was all out there, the vision boards were up. I didn't even know I had vision boards. It was way before Oprah. My wow. walls were plastered with the original SNL club, cast um, and blue ribbons and traveling the world and all the things, things that I've already way over manifested, yeah. thank God, and way more goals, of course, always. But my point is, is that back to your statement about you know, how children or how, uh, how certain generations are raised. I, like you, was raised with that, thank God, yeah. because God only knows what could have happened yeah. if we weren't, like, surrounded by community and people, like, keeping us accountable, even though those were not tag words used back then. Exactly. It just was. Yeah. It just was. And so to your point, it's very interesting because in today's movement, why the podcast, why the Zooming, why besides a pandemic, why all this break, why all these borders have been melted down, so to speak, from streaming to this and our communication being different. And what we get to observe as like human beings is it's so strange how there's a breakdown in communication when you have all this communication at your hands, right? irony it's an oxymoron right a juxtaposition of craziness right yep and like civic duty or civic awareness like what we were learning back then versus what people have a lack of history today you and i knew about our generations that came before us yeah. and you certainly could speak on that now today versus also what's happened since mm -hmm. and how patterns repeat or how life you know is not guaranteed and you can just keep going, you know, like you still have to get up on the bike, like all the things, right? Because right. there's iterations of iterations, nothing's guaranteed. And it's fascinating who, I'm sure it's been fascinating to see who over time you've aligned with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And whether you make great decisions or sometimes not great decisions. And how did that affect you? I'm curious, like. 
um, getting, getting further along. Well, so who I aligned with, you know, they say, Felicia, in our business, it's who you know, and, uh, and all that. Um, what is it, you know, like Paris Hilton and, uh, and, uh, Tori Spelling that what's the word for that? Uh, when you have, when your parents get you in your family, nepotism, uh, influence, nepo babies, nepo yeah, babies. Nepo babies. Sure. So you and I are far from that. Cause unless I wanted to go be a carpenter, I didn't use a whole lot of nepotism, but, um, but here is the deal. I, I heard somebody on a podcast like yours recently saying that our generation, Felicia, was, is kind of maybe one of the last, I'm hoping that Hunter's is too, with uh, mine and Jerry influences on him of being these like, you know, little bit stronger, a little bit tougher, a little more. Listen, if I told you how many times I was called a dumb blonde with a crazy voice that was too, you know, short and uh, curvy, I, I could write a book. And actually I did. But anyway, um, but, you know, it's like, if I let that hurt me, Felicia, and say, everyone's, you know what, Felicia, everyone's called me a dumb blonde ever since I was really little. And I'm just not going to do anything because I'm dumb. And, you know, oh, oh, please get out the violin, you know, get over yourself. And what it did for me was it propelled me to get smarter and be my quickest self. And I loved when people underestimated me because I came in and I played the dumb blonde as much as I could. I used it. And then I went in for the kill and I took your job or I got that promotion or I created my own whatever. And what I heard in this podcast is our parents or our grandparents, Felicia, were the ones that were able to plow through and forge onward. And literally, I mean, in the fields, plow through. I mean, literally be the strong, you know, I'm not talking figuratively. And those are the ones that bred and had children. And the yeah. ones that couldn't do it or didn't want to go out in the fields or, oh, it's too tough or it's too sunny or somebody yelled at me, they didn't go out. So they tended not to procreate. So now you have a Felicia and a Kim that's like, bring it. I know. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure you could write a book just on the negative things that were said about you. You oh, didn't yeah. that, you know, cookie cutter. Um, you know, I was raised with the Kate Mosses that were lithe and thin and skinny, and here I was a yeah. different um, body type. But so what? So we just stop and we don't. That's what my my one problem is today with people that you know say, oh, somebody called me the wrong prone. Oh, somebody said this to me. Oh, somebody. I can't go forward. There's babies being killed. Pull up your big girl panties and move forward. Pivot on. Pivot. Change. Face them in the you know whatever it is. I'm not saying that your hurt isn't valid, but let's move on. And it's just like, but to go on social media and cry for an hour because somebody said they fat shamed you, skinny shamed you, blonde shamed you, whatever. I mean, I don't know. It, it's, it's hard for me. It really is. And then let me go into the practical point of the answer to your question. So he said, so how do you get from, you're in your nice little small house with your mommy and daddy in Detroit and you want to be Jessica Savage. Yeah. So how do you get there? So here's how we get there. 
And it isn't just with the vision board and aligning yourself with good people or being a Nepo baby. Here's what it is. So the day I turned 16, I got my dad's car. I was fortunate enough to be able to borrow his car. And I drove to the local news station. It was a, K, a CBS affiliate called uh, WJBK. And I walked in and I had no idea what I was doing, Felicia. Again, my dad's a carpenter. So he could tell me what to do with a two by four, but not at all what to do with a personnel director. So I walk in the reception. I say the receptionist, hi, my name is Kimberly Bankier. I'd like a job here. And the receptionist was probably five years older than me. She's like, I don't know. What do I do? So she called up the personnel director. I remember to this day, her name's P Mrs. Peterson. Mrs. Peterson comes out like, I don't, she doesn't have an appointment. Who's this chick? She's 16 years old. What the heck? I got business to do. There's a riot breaking out. I got to meet with this chick in the lobby. So I walk into her office and I pour my heart out. I say, Mrs. Peterson, thank you for seeing me. My name is Kimberly Bankier. I am 16 years old. I don't know what I could do here, but I want to be a news anchor woman. I will sweep the floors, clean the toilets, get coffee. I don't know what to do, but I want to be around news. If you would give me a job, I promise you, you will never regret it. Mrs. Peterson sits back. Interesting. Kimberly, um, I have a daughter at home. How old are you? Oh, I just turned 16 in July. Oh, I have a daughter at home. Um, She's 16 and um, she was born with muscular dystrophy. She cannot walk from the waist down and her name's Kimberly. And if she could walk, I would love for her to be able to walk into a news division like you just did. And I'm gonna give you a job as a tour guide and I'm not gonna pay you. And you're gonna come here every day after school for four hours and you're gonna walk um, Girl Scout, Boy Scout and senior citizen troops around the newsroom and give them a view of our local newsroom and you're hired and I'll see you tomorrow. So, okay, great. That was miraculous. It was amazing. I'm so glad that was definitely a God wink and a divine appointment. But then, then Felicia, every day I walked around that news department, that newsroom, and I walked in front of the news director and every day I would make a point to find a day that maybe he was in between. One day, just so happens he was available. I said to him, my name's Kimberly Bankier. I want to be in news. And through the years, we got to know each other. And he said, okay, Kim, here's what you got to do. You got to go to this college. You got to get these, this major. You got to get these grades and you got to get a tape. You go there, you graduate in four years. I'll give you a job. Good luck. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Four years later, went to the college, got the grades, got the degree, got the tape, came to his desk. I graduated on Friday. On Monday, I went in. I said, here, this is everything you want. My diploma, my blah, blah. You said you'd give me a job. So here's my point. You got to follow through. It didn't get handed to me. I didn't get, you know, I mean, you got to follow through. I worked for four years. I didn't get paid. I was in high school. All the other kids were going out to parties and I'm in the stupid newsroom showing a senior citizen group around when I'm 18. But it led to something. So when people say to me, oh, but I can't, oh, but it, you know, you've got, you've got to find a way and, and then do your part. You can't just be like, well, you know, God didn't put a Mrs. Peterson in my life, but maybe he put a Fred Flintstone or a Joe Schmo. There's somebody there, Felicia, and I know you know this, when people reach out to me and say, Kim, you know, help me with breast cancer, help me with this, help me. We want to help. Mm -hmm. So reach out.
No, and that's such a like the follow through and the taking action and being the initiative and being seen and being heard and the collective like you literally were creating your own compound effect. That's you know, there's the book, compound effect. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. You know, you were taking little consistent actions and building it into your own snowball that became your reality of exactly by design, human design, mental design, mindset was like, and you just kept showing up and proving and giving people reasons to believe and trust and like, and want to offer you help. Okay, here's your information. They can take what you're gonna do with it. And you show up and you deliver. And it is really important for people. Listen, there's no right or wrong. No. Period. It's everything's a series of making decisions, right? And sometimes we take on too many things. And I think that can be in today's day and age a real like issue for a lot of people because we're so inundated with stuff. So you really have to like have the attention span of I start something and I make sure I complete it (laughs) and I do it with ease and I, you know, and everything around it, like aligns in the way it's God willing. Yeah. Right. But aside from that, you still have to do the work. You can't pray it out. (laughs) I know people who, you know, I love them, but you know, if, I mean, I just, I just think that there's got to be a combination of a lot of elements besides the mystical, you know, yeah. whatever powers that be. And they are, and there, yeah. and there are for certain, um, because I do believe, you know, in those moments with the Mrs. Peterson, Peterson, right. You know, and the, her daughter being your age and your name, but, right. the, but what again, the life yeah. lesson, the moment of, you're, you're lucky, you're lucky this time, like all the things. And yeah, was it aligned to be like that? Well, clearly it was. Yeah, yeah. But you know. let's tell you something. For the four years that I did that, Felicia, there were many times that I wanted to quit the dump job that I'm not getting paid for and be out with my friends. And I could have made that choice. And I could have gone to more of the football games. And I could have been more of the cheerleader. And I could have, but I stayed with it. And so that's why sometimes the victimhood, you're right. There's a lot of people are like, let me do the mystical and sit and pray or om or whatever. And it's going to land in my lap. But, you know, there's also the victim. Oh, you know what? I didn't have, oh, I, but you know, there's those steps that through those four years, I, I made contacts. I got to know reporters. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. But there has to be a lot of follow through too. And, um, and I think sometimes we get a little bit, um, hesitant on looking at ourselves and looking inward and going, wait, could I have done a little bit more on there? Oh, maybe, maybe I did leave after a year and now I'm pissed off that I didn't become Jessica Savage. So it's their fault. It's their fault. They didn't see it in me. It's so true, Kim. I mean, you know, consciously or unconsciously, again, some, some, and I really see it a lot now in the last three years of the kind of people that I haven't even been able to always be in the same rooms with because of just, you know, the reality at the time of pandemics. But I was delving deeply into masterminds with 
millionaires and billionaires. And though these are people I've hung out with all my life in different ways, it was just a different kind of, of uh, viewing point. And because of a lot of pivots in the world and how they were, you know, exposing themselves and so forth. But the point is, is that, you know, we may not have been having those kind of specific conversations that I hear a lot more of today, depending upon the circles you run with. I can tell you as a crew member, which yeah. was not my idea. My idea was to direct. Right. My idea was to be in front. My yeah. idea was not to go behind. It wasn't that I don't think I'm not a very good behind the scenes person. I'd like to think I'm extraordinary. Yeah. And, but with that said, you know, there's, with all those decisions made, you, you, you find that you are, aren't welcome into certain conversations. One of my least desirous things that I love about our industry is the fact that it's different classes allow for different conversations. And it's like, excuse me, <laughs> what? Like, that's not the world I ran in. I, I didn't get into this industry to be considered beneath you. Like we're creators, we're collaborators, we're all doing business together. My point is, is what I love about this conversation is, no, it isn't about, it is about your mindset. It is about how you see things or choose to see things. Yeah. I get contacted a lot by people who are like, oh, I really would love for you to help my child, like, you know, become the professional. And I'm like, great, I'm happy to do a consultation. You know, let's schedule a consultation. This is what I do, blah, 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 blah. And when I get these children and or parents on the phone or I or normally both it's like you know I really lay it out and I'm like you know what are you willing to give up to get because this is not a career that's been guaranteed and it still isn't guaranteed every day you got to go out like a cold call like it's an audition all over again and people yeah. are like you can't be serious and I'm like no I'm more than serious and I even want to admit like it is not the plan that I would have designed but as an artist, I can say what I'm proud of is that I have created a very successful career. I'm not a starving artist, not good. I, I have manifested and I've come to understand on a greater level all the things that I really are important to me, like talking about creating wealth versus living paycheck to paycheck. This is not just applied to being a professional in the entertainment industry. This is across the board. Women. Women, I want very much to find and create their own legacies and be able to, with their health and wellness, be able to advocate. And it's all advocating and it's all mindset. And so my point is, is that, you know, in conversations like going back to the victim thing or like the consulting thing, I was rubbing two sticks together, as I put it, for like 15 years. People weren't paying me building my portfolio and getting them. No, girl, you like gave it all up yeah. to like get one image that yeah. maybe, maybe if you were lucky, you work with a great photographer and a great model will give you like your hard work effort to then build from. This was not like you could turn around with your iPhone, you know, so it was a really earned thing. And it was interesting because I think that we as a society do silly things to one another yeah. and we put each other in boxes and we, we, because of limited beliefs and not being confident and courageous within our own skin, like you said, looking at ourselves, do we then in turn throw other 
judgments or our unhealthy selves onto the next individual and why it's so important to surround yourself with people who really get it, who really want to support and surround and celebrate, who want to raise each other up. And it is, I think it's like, you know, you have to make sure that you are in those right environments. And people, I don't think are always taught this, Kim, is my point. I don't think, I think if you're lucky to be unconsciously picking up on what people are putting down, fabulous. But not, most people aren't. They literally need it like spelled out for them. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um. Interestingly, and I'd love to get your point on this. Um. I feel like you're right, but there is another point of view. And that's that I think we've gone so politically correct that everybody's kumbaya and everybody's the same. And, you know, we're all equal and we're all and, you know, I'll give you an example where this can can go haywire. And I love your point, your take on this. So my son, uh, Hunter, was um, because of Jerry. Uh, my husband, he was very athletic, born very athletic. Good for him. That's great. Um, By the same token, he loved it. He always had a ball in his hand, a squishy ball, a football, a baseball, or whatever it was, just his thing. He always loved a ball. Um, At very young age, at like two, Jerry would take him to the local Barrington Rec Center, which is open to everyone. There's no charge. It's free. It's a public park. It's right in the middle. There's buses right in front of it. You can come from as far as wherever and arrive in this park and be welcome. Everything's free. It's for everybody. Um, Every day after work, Jerry would take Hunter up there and throw the ball, do basketball, do whatever, blah, blah. So at two, he started in this like little league. They were this big, Felicia. It was a joke. Like they didn't even know where they were going, what they were doing, but he loved it. And that was so great for him. Every day he'd go, daddy, let's go, let's go. So now we get to be like, I don't know, five or six. Jerry, of course, is the coach of the Wee league. And we're in the Wee league and they're all again, like this big and they're running around. They don't know which basket is which, whatever. A couple of the moms, very, very politically correct are like, you know, you are playing Joey and Freddie and my son, Sammy, is not getting enough uh, playtime. And when we do the end of the year, I want Sammy and Oliver to get an equal trophy to Hunter and Scotty and Tommy. And Jerry goes, no, no, I'm not doing it. And everybody went against Jerry and they were like, they're six years old. What are you doing? It's not, they're not in the NBA. They're now I want to tell you now. So we go through it, Sammy and Joe, whatever their names were, they do get playing time. Absolutely. They Mm -hmm. want to be there. They're there, but Sammy and Freddie, whatever their names were, when they're out on the basketball court, Felicia, they're like, Oh, I wonder about that bird up there. Oh, look at it. They weren't engaged. That wasn't their vibe. They did nothing, no judgment, nothing wrong with that. But mommy over there is like, no, Sammy needs to be in this. And Sammy's just as good. No, he's not. He isn't engaged. That isn't his thing. Now, let me give you the second example. Hunter is in math class with Sammy. Sammy's brilliant. He can do calculus. He can do algebra. He's got trigonometry. Hunter is going, holy crap. 
what am I, I'm in hell right now. Hunter should not get an award for mathematician of the class. Like Sammy, Hunter is not as good as at math. How can everybody be the same in everything and everybody gets a trophy? My kid should not get a math trophy. And I'm telling you that from a mother who thinks her son hung the moon. And neither should Sammy get a basketball trophy. Oh, I agree with you completely. A hundred percent. I am definitely not that person. When I And I'm definitely not, I mean, yeah, there's Kumbaya and then there's Kumbaya. Huh. In business, you know, and and in business, you know, there's definitely structure and earnings and all those things that happen. Absolutely, Kim. I do not disagree with you. And I definitely believe what I know is it's also like it's like when you made a conscious decision, I made conscious decisions and I didn't realize how certain things ended up aligning me, like not with the tribe that I normally would align with. Yeah. Yeah. And that reality really didn't come into play like it came into play. But as things were shifting about 10, 15 years ago in our industry, things really began like when I first started, I was like, no, this is cool. This is hip. I'm like being regarded and all the things. And then something shifted. And for me, it wasn't like, oh, who am I and what do I think? No, it was like, how am I? How's my purpose and my passion aligning with all of this? Yeah. And how is this resonating? And I think that that's a really big thing for people to be willing to know that there's a lot of different iterations of us. Like you, you oh. may have gone for Jessica Savage, but you've been open to doing a lot of different right. things that allow. Right. Yeah, I, I never achieved it. And, you know, and, and I'm willing to say, should I get a newscaster award? No, I was on Ellen putting avocado on my face, you know, but, and I just think sometimes people have to look at themselves, Alicia, and say, wow, you know what, maybe I'm not as gifted in this arena as the other people, but I am in this arena and find it, but not be like in every arena, we have to open it and be like, everybody's the same. I, I think we're doing our children and each other a disservice when we do that. And I think that is why we are seeing a generation of kids that, you know, are like, I really just want to work from nine till three. I'm kind of tired after three, Felicia. I really can't finish this job for you. Sorry, I've got to go home and have my nap time. Um, wait, have you ever have you ever worked in our industry? It it doesn't happen that way. But they're yeah. like, you know, I need. I'm I'm sorry. Tomorrow's a really big day at your at the Felicia uh, podcast. I need a mental health day. No, I need you. And you signed up and I'm paying you. You got to show up. You need a couple days off next week. Let's work it out in the calendar. But you can't just, and that's what I think we're finding. And everybody is laying out the platter to that and saying, yes, let, oh, absolutely. And I, I think we're, I think it's going to come and bite. Yeah. Well, it's funny you, again, say that, you know, I mean, I've been legally working since I was 14 for my family's business. And, you know, that was a third generation, highly regarded women's ready to wear business. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I loved every aspect of and it. And I hear that is a hard business. It was hard. And my family was really great at it and really sought out. And you would have loved it. You would have loved it. Um, and I mean, that was just so up my, like, that's why I also love that, you know, beauty and lifestyle was like the thing they were naturally drawn to because it was like, yeah, 
<laughs> you're speaking my language yeah. and it's, you know, but again, it goes back to like, yeah, I grew up with family on both sides who work seven days a week and, you know, and working could mean you're sweeping your driveway or you're pulling the weeds or you're doing the laundry and you're pulling and cooking and you're out there taking care of customers and providing service. And this is how you pay for the roof over your head and the food on your table and the clothes on your back. And literally my father was like doing his books when I was 14. And that was, was like the turning point of our family getting hit by the 70s recession. And just things were just what it was, you know. And he turns to me and says, you know, I've got women who have been working for us for 25 years and you're pulling in better numbers than they are. Like, you got to stop. And I looked at him point blank, not like didn't even pause and take a beat. I looked at him and I was like, well, dad, then who's going to keep the roof over our head and the food on our table? And he just like went, what? Wow. Like, what? Wow. How and. I mean, I think my father was so hurting at the time, Kim, because it was his definition of who he was. He loved this whole business. He was so good at it. He wasn't this man who was like, you know, he was just a very decent human being. Like he just was very good at dressing women and buying clothes and being a trendsetter and all the things. So, you know, for him to have these, like, now he's like, all of a sudden, he's like pre-Marshalls and pre-Norton Rock, where you can only afford to get the LYs yeah. for your store, where you were yeah. like leading ahead. And I, I think going into the film industry was not a big deal, like working 18 hours a day. Not at all for you. Yeah, you do what you need to do. Like, you do yeah. what you need to do. I think that it is interesting how there have been generations of, um, and, and you know, this conscious quitting. Like, I, I'm like conscious quitting, like, don't, like, you make it to say, okay, yeah, I get you can pivot. But like, do you just quit because it's not working like that? I mean, if that were the case, I would not have had an award winning career that 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 continues to be fruitful and people still want, you know, me to be a part of and want very much to, um, you know, still grow and expand yeah. with me and vice versa. It's like, I, I just don't, you know, I just don't get this, this mindset myself. And yeah. no, I don't think, you know, being a kid who was like, especially starting with like competing and in, in not consciously competing, by the way, but, you know, being classically trained as a little dancer, ballerina, or, or doing the not fine arts. Everybody can do that. No, not everybody can do it. I mean, I just was very, no. And listen, I think that I was also, you know, well, you know, lucky to be even be exposed to this stuff the way my parents exposed us and, and wish I had even understood the level of that. I mean, my yeah. gratitude is great. I'm not going to lie. But, um, you know, you, you know, total blessings. But I do think that in today's society, when you're talking about your purpose and your passion, and how do you like, stay focused and see it through and follow through and do all those things. I think you are talking like it's, it's like a different language to many people. And I say to women under the age of probably 50, 45, yeah. do you know whose shoulders you're riding on right now? Yeah. Do you even have an understanding of how you, your ability to have your name and a bank account and a job 
and a house and rights over your body and an education and the freedom to speak and the freedom to be heard and the freedom to lead and the freedom to vote. And, and they look at me like I'm nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, look, it wasn't that long ago, no different than the week ago with what's happening abroad in the Middle East. This was not long ago, people. Right. That this kind of stuff has been, I mean, yes, it goes on in lots of different cultures. This is one of the things I spoke on last week was it's, we're all the same thing. This part, we are all the same thing. Yeah, yeah. We are all made up of the same thing. We all came in the same way. We're going out the same way. What our environment and exposure in life is that that's not, you know, that I don't know how yeah. it's determined, but as humanity, yes, are the same. And how do we move through life that way? Yeah. Honoring that is like a lesson that I do not know why it has to continue. I mean, that's another why. Why does this have to keep repeating? Why do we have to do this onto each other? Why life is life is enough of a oh boy, pray yeah. to God I get through this well. You know what I mean? Like yeah. How are you feeling, Felicia, about the way? Um, society and social media is handling this war. How are you as a, as a Jewish woman, uh, you know, that probably had grandparents or great grandparents or friends that went through the Holocaust? I mean, how are you feeling about this? So it's really interesting. None of our family, strangely, they were either already in America or they were in Argentina or they like, I mean, sincerely, I don't, I don't know how we somehow by the grace of God or whatever. But I was infiltrated with it through my upbringing in the temple, like I said. And though it was a reformed temple, you know, you imagine the 60s and the early 70s when I was going to Sunday school. And this was, like I said, during the six, seven day war and the Yom Kippur war and the Olympics where they killed all the Israeli team members and, and, strange you're gonna get this but you're gonna be like what it was 1968 we're gonna go from chicago to new york to meet my father who's on a fashion buying trip it's the end of the school year my mother as chic as they come we're all you know my brother and myself we're you know about to get on the plane and my mother leans down and literally says if this plane is hijacked you are not jewish you are italian Oh my God, I just, that just. I was all of five or six. We're at O'Hare Airport in Chicago in America. No, none of my friends were ever said anything like that. I can guarantee you that, Kim. My friends who were Swedish and German and Italian and Sicilian and all other things and all different forms of Christian backgrounds, I... I don't remember, you know, who, but it was just, I was exposed to a lot because, you know, my Sicilian Catholic grandparents were also very much in my family, like very formative in my family, like very much who I stand for and am, which is why I'm so sassy. Yeah, exactly. That's what we do. (laughs) But getting back to your question, um, you know, what's fascinating is back then, you know, you couldn't talk about being Jewish, really. Mm-hmm. And and 
no matter how well my families did on both sides, so my Sicilian grandfather and grandparents were politicians and in real estate, mm-hmm. and on the Jewish side, the Russian, Romanian, or Ukrainian, Romanian side, or the in the schmata business and successful manufacturers, retailers, and anybody who wanted to look good and feel good came to my family. We were like the bond with Teller's Saks Fifth yeah. Avenue, but on a local market yeah. in Northern Illinois, Southern Wisconsin. So, so you know, from from that perspective, nobody we no side of the family was allowed behind the country club gates. Yeah, yeah. There was none of that welcome banner right or allowed you know i remember dating a guy after i had just gotten through college who remembered proudly proudly stating how he didn't pass as a jew this was in the chicago suburbs and how he worked at a country club a golf club that no blacks or women or jews could get past the parking lot still in 1985 Mm -hmm. in chicago and I looked at him at this fair, freckle-faced guy, no different than me. My most people generally have never guessed my background, not that I'm hiding it. And been like, I looked at him and I was like, You you can't be serious right now. Yeah. Like you you're proud of that right now? Like what? Like what why would you be like I get you, I know why you're doing it because of who you're gonna connect with, but why do you think that these people would be behind you, yeah. even if you rose up some whatever, like, to, to it's like, I'm not going to judge you. I'm just asking you a question like, what? I understand it's working, but till when? Yeah. You know, when is that going to blow up in your face? Yeah. Till when? So when I heard last Saturday, you know, this this will drop probably in a week or two from now. So this will be a little bit out of context, but it will the war will sadly still be yeah. going on. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Um <clears throat> I remember thinking no different than 9-11, funny enough. So my father strangely died on September eleventh, twelfth of nineteen seventy six. I have my own movie camp. Like literally the movies I could write about my life, not because mine's any more special, but teaches a lot of moments of like moments that are fascinating, but no better than any, just a good, good, like kind of character study of just get back up. She got back up, get back up. Yeah. Right. So anyhow, so um, like 9-11, strangely, that I didn't correlate this present war with, though they since identified it as, but I didn't was my moment to this moment, to that moment as a child, growing up as a young Jewish kid, was wow, how much more this is now publicly being spoken of. No matter what you think or speak, or if you can or can, or the courage it takes. And I remember, this is no joke, I remember recording myself and I remember thinking, I need to take a pause before I publicly put this out. Right. Because I need to make sure for myself that it's responsible, that it says is my authentic truth without it being about anything or anyone, but rather humanity. And literally that's what I was talking a week ago, Saturday. 
And um, because we, no matter what culture or what religion or what era, we've all experienced this unfortunateness. And so this does not make anybody one special or more whatever. The unfortunate thing about Judaism for what it's worth is, um, you know, yeah, as many other cultures and stuff have had plights for some beyond strange, whatever reason, there is this level of unfortunate hatred and denouncement, no matter where in many cases one can go. And people, I don't think, and I try not to think about it too much, but you can't deny it of that reality. Yeah. And, you know, going back to what my mom said, you know, if this plane gets hijacked, you're a Jew, you're not Jewish, you're Italian, you're in America now. And, you know, now we talk about, you know, and one of the things I talked about in this recording was, you know, we as human beings don't even want to look at our own domestic violence amongst each other behind closed doors, let alone on a public stage, on a massive, like, borderless, but yet you think it's contained when it's not contained, and how the ripple effect, like, this is how I think and talk. This is why, like, there are times when I'm like, I see the George Stephanopoulos, you know, ABC roundtable and I, or the, or the talk or whatever. And I'm like, I want to be in those conversations yeah. because I got a lot to, be, I got a lot to share. Yeah. And I just like kind of look at it as a bigger level picture of like, wow, you know, people, it's like, Almost did you need to be reminded that this has happened before and why does this have to happen? No need to remind again, but now all of a sudden you're reminded or now you're just getting the lesson and you've been on the planet for 20, 30, 50, 60, you know, years. Why now? Why did we have to do this? Why? That was my biggest, my why, why was my biggest question? Yeah, me too. I have a really big why on why our industry, you, Felicia, and me, Kim, why so many that are so verbal about so many things are so quiet. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, no one's saying a word. I don't want to, you know what? It's very complicated. I just don't want to, I'm like, is it, is it really that complicated? What you, you have a, something to say about everything. And now all of a sudden it's like, you know, we need to just, I, I think it's very telling, Felicia. Very, very telling. I cannot wait for you to join us for part two with Kim Douglas next week as we continue to discuss all the things that Kim and I reflect on. And in the meantime, subscribe, listen, share to the Camp Fifi Uncensored podcast and build this community. We're so excited for you to be here. Much love. Have a great week. Bye for now. No, no, no.